Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Welcome, everyone, to episode to number 42 of a series of episodes that we're calling Leading Others to Christ. Uh, during these episodes, and those of you who have been listening and watching, you know this already, but we're, we're focusing on evangelism. And one of our goals, and we have several, <clears throat> but one of them is to stir us up to love and good works, but especially in the area of reaching our family or friends or neighbors or co-workers with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm going to, I've said this 42 times now, so everybody's going to know where Franklin, Indiana is, about 20 miles south of uh, Indianapolis, and I also serve as one of the shepherds there. Those of you that know me, you know that I'm passionate about our topic today, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in, in Owensboro, Kentucky, and I've, I've always been trying to reach out to those that, that are involved in teaching others and, and learn how they're doing it and what tools are they using and, uh, and all those type things. And so uh, to use some, some Bible phrases, uh, striving to teach others, uh, to learn how to sow the seed, to, to be a fisher of, of men and women, uh, to teach others to teach. And I always mention this in every episode, but remembering what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, and the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and women, of course, who will be able to teach others also. And then later in that chapter, he talks about, and, and Paul uses the language to Timothy to be useful for the master uh, for every good work. And so when all this COVID nonsense started uh, last year, uh, I came up with this idea of trying to identify even in more detail, who are the ones that are out there that are doing this? Who are the ones, wherever they might be, uh, how, are they, how are they reaching others? How are they leading others to Christ? And once we've identified them to do this interview and find out who they are, why they're so motivated, how they're doing their work, as I said a few minutes ago, and, uh, and interview them. And it's, it's really been, for me, you know, the old guy in the room, it's been a great experience uh, of meeting so many new people that I haven't met before in person. And today we're really excited. Two old friends. We weren't so old when we met way back. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we're excited today to have Dave and Dana Carosa with us. Welcome, guys. Hey, it's good to see you, Dan. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, it's a, it's a yes, Monday morning. Huh? We're longtime friends, right? Long time not, friends. not old people. Not there you go. <laughs> yeah, not, not old people. There you go. Um, yeah, we were talking before we started the interview. It was back in. Uh, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't even go there. We were you. Were, Y'all were probably You're already down the road, Dan. You got to finish it. <laughs> I know, I had to, we were we were te you were teenagers. I would. But I was in my early 20s or maybe my mid 20s when uh, when we saw each other the last time. And we're a little older than that now. But just a smidge. Uh, it's it's uh, great. Uh, we really appreciate you guys doing this today. And uh, uh, as we go through the interview, I'll ask a few things, and, and then I'll try to feed off of it. And uh, it's always fun to uh, to 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 talk with people and see where they are and what they're doing. But I know you guys, uh, uh, what about a year ago, moved to Tennessee from mm -hmm. California, and you're worshiping with the Veterans Park uh, Church of Christ there, and that's where Wilson and Julie Adams are. And we've interviewed both of them in the past, longtime friends. 
And, uh, but what, uh, the way I start this out, Dane, I'm going to go with you first. Ladies first. Uh, okay. Yeah, I call it a short bow or like the old elevator pitch, you know. So people that <laughs> people that don't know you, uh, uh, tell everybody a little, and then I'm going to have you do it too, David. But uh, uh, tell everybody uh, a short bow from the standpoint of where you were born, uh, who taught you the truth. It kind of brings up to speed uh, where Dana is right now in your life. Well, you know, I was a preacher's daughter, so uh, you get to go to all those really glamorous places and you're born in interesting places and I was born in a little bitty mining town called Silver City, New Mexico and uh, I was uh, the the baby of the family and the reason that we do all of this that we do is that uh, my mother had had lost her first baby due to uh, toxemia and she'd gone blind and went in a coma for several months. She almost died. Then she had my brother okay. But then when she got pregnant with me, the doctor said, you know what? This time your baby's dying, but you're going to die too this time. And so we want to do an abortion. Well, that was the fifties and people didn't know what that, you know, it wasn't talked about like it is today. My parents went home and talked about it and my, they prayed about it and absolutely not. They went back to the doctor the next day. And my daddy said, listen, you do everything you know to do to keep them alive. And we're gonna pray and keep them alive. And so the doctor said, now this is Silver City, New Mexico in the fifties, not the hub of all medical knowledge. And the doctor said, I read something in a medical journal the other day. Maybe if you go to bed, I'll give you these shots two or three times a day, whatever it was, and kept me alive. So all my life, I knew this story of my parents walking faith for me to live. So as you grow and learn the gospel, um, I was baptized on April 17th when I was 12 years old. And um, that germ of why do I live? Why was I saved? Why did God love me so that I could have any hope of eternal life? How does that all fit together? So that was always ruminating in my life. And then as life would take us on these travels and We talked earlier about how David and I met at Florida College, but went our separate ways for seven years. And accidentally, we think it's God's purpose, ran into each other in uh, San Francisco. And um, then we continued the relationship and got married quickly after that. And David was in medicine. I am not medicine at all. I'm business and marketing. (laughs) And so I just married medicine. And through that journey, we came to have a situation where uh, we owned a chain of medical laboratories. And I was all about marketing. And at that time in the early 90s, um, there was no radio, TV commercials. We did those. We were in shopping centers uh, and we did pregnancy tests for $10. That was before, you know, the whole thing with uh, uh, EPT and all of those pregnancy tests. And so when the girls would come and they uh, wanted their written confirmation that they were pregnant, 
David said to me, you know why that is? They're going for abortion. And that just went all over me. And I'll never forget the first girl that came and wanted that paper. She was in a little business suit with a ponytail. She worked at Intel there in Folsom, which is huge. She was highly educated. And she made mention, oh, good, I need this for the procedure tomorrow. And my heart sunk. And she walked out the door with her ponytail swinging. She was about 28 years old. And I've marked that day ever since in 92. How old would that child be now? 29. And I just told David, we've got to do something. We've got to do something to save these children as I was saved so that they would know God. And that's the seed. That's the kernel. That's what started this atomic explosion. Well, well, what a great, uh, what a great story. Uh, that's one of the things I like about doing this. We've heard some fascinating things, just like just in that short little thing there. Look at look where we could go with the conversation here. Uh, but um, no, that that's really good. Okay, Dave, your turn. What's your well, story? I was uh, born in Huntsville, Alabama, in 1954. Um, you know, I, I shared with you in a previous conversation how uh, my my dad had just gotten out of the army and uh, you know being an Italian he he was uh, kind of Roman Catholic and my mom uh, had some affiliation I think with the Presbyterian you know church but neither one of them were you know uh, were members of the Church of Christ and really weren't religious and uh, on a Saturday morning in probably mid-1953 my mom and dad had um, were had just moved to Huntsville. They were unpacking, and uh, a young man, probably in his late 30s, early 40s, was driving through the neighborhood with his teenage daughter. And they saw this young couple um, obviously moving in, and they they stopped and asked my mom and dad if they'd like some help moving in. And uh, sure, be great, you know. So so they helped them unpack or. Uh, unpack the van and move stuff in. And at the end of the day, uh, the man looked to my dad and he said, you know, so where are y'all going to church tomorrow? <laughs> and and I, I could just imagine, you know, that dumb look on my dad's face. And I was like, I don't know. Um, but just out of respect for the fact that, you know, he had just helped them move in. He, he accepted his invitation to, to come to church. And uh, so they did. And uh, long story short, this this man started a Bible study with my parents. And uh, several months later, um, he converted them. And that was uh, R.L. Andrews. You know, he was one of the uh, I think there was R.L. and Paul. And uh, there was another one other brother, I think, that was known for well-known gospel preachers in that in that part of the country at that time. So I, I've looked back, um, thought about that story many times how that, that one little Saturday morning uh, where, you know, a man and his daughter stop in and help a young couple move in. And what has happened since then yeah. from that, that one little moment in time, how, how many things have changed because of that, that Saturday morning. And so there's, there's always so many opportunities if, if our eyes are open and, and we're aware of, uh, of the opportunity and the obligation to get involved when, when we realize that, that there's, there's an opportunity to teach and to serve. So it's huge. No, it really is. Uh, and again, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And uh, 
uh, I think I mentioned this the other day when we were talking, Dave, but uh, uh, this came up. Uh, the first one that I interviewed was Benjamin Lee out of Texas. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. and he was he was telling the story and he, he made the comment. He's, you know, he said, I, I, I thought about it was a conversion story. And he said, what if I had never said anything to her? He was just right. telling the situation. Yeah. And so that's, uh, we might end up writing a book called What If with a title, but uh, so many of these things, and look, looking both of you with your lives right now, uh, like Dana, what, what if your mom hadn't gone through what she did? What if you hadn't heard that story about you and her when, when you were uh, uh, being formed there in her womb? And what if you hadn't seen that gal walking away with her ponytail swinging, you know, uh, and the thoughts that came to mind and, and Dave, like with you, what if uh, brother Andrews had not stopped there that I, I, I don't understand the providence of God, but I know it's real. I mean, I uh, do too. And, yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's just, you look back at things and wonder how in the world did that happen? And what if that had not happened? Just like, what if that, <clears throat> what if you had not acted Dana, when you went home and said, Dave, we got to do something here. Uh, we got to do something to, uh, to help, help these uh these unborn babies and or what if uh, brother andrews had not it'd been so easy for him that saturday morning just to drive by and say well just look somebody's moving in i guess and just drive <laughs> right on by and uh and yeah and to, and to trace that back and and to realize the impact that all these situations have had on not just our lives but all the lives that we've touched uh i don't know i, I need to be quiet but just i could ramble on that for a long time the what if scenarios all right. That leads, I think, right into <clears throat> what you guys are doing, what you're passionate about right now and what you've been passionate about for the last at least 15 years. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that are listening and watching are familiar with Sacred Selections, but bring us up to speed on that. I know it started, like I said, like 15 years ago, but um, who wants to go first? Tell, tell us a little bit about, let's do a short bio on Sacred Selections. How's that? <laughs> Well, we can, yeah, we can, we can condense it for you. But yes, after that moment of seeing that girl, it was like, we've got to do something. I don't know what, but we've got to do something. So at the same time, one of our um, friends at church had three boys and she couldn't have any more children. And she confided in me that she wanted to adopt. And I went, Ooh, adoption, that might be something. So we went from that idea to uh, working with local adoption agencies. And we found a local one that was very supportive of what we were trying to do. And um, she designed a a tract that we put out on all of our counters of all of our labs. And it showed a pregnant girl looking out a window and it just said, adoption is another option. And from there we started because, you know, we were under HIPAA laws, which are government laws where we can't discuss personal things with the patients, only the doctors can. So, but we could in silent protest to abortion, put those tracks out and they were wonderful and they were powerful. So girls were coming to us and families were coming and we had lawyers we were working with, but still one day I told David, I said, I've got some great families, but they can't afford the five to 10 to $15,000 just for the legal fees. And I said, we need to set up a separate from the church foundation, 501c3, because I know there are wonderful families and people and Christians out there who would love to see a child get a good Christian home and get a good start in life. And uh, 
so I said, we need to start up this foundation. And he's back in the back and there's a million test tubes and bells and whistles. If you've ever been in the back in the, of, a, of a medical laboratory, it's intense. And David's very intense. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sounds good, sounds good. But you know, how are we gonna put all this together? So we did get a board together. Our board is made up of all husbands and wives because we thought that was very important to, you know, adoption is very male, female, yin, yang, we needed that. And um, those were families who we had adopted also. And we just had all of the things together. Uh, a good friend of ours, Kevin Finley, who- um, He was a classmate of ours at FC. He was, and he was in Bakersfield. And coincidentally, I don't know, his uh, daughter was dating one of the boys at our congregation. So they came up on a weekend and I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, you know, I'm working with this law firm. And I said, we need to go out to dinner um, because I really wanted our 501c3 to be set up with a, not one of these $99 through Reno kind of a thing, but I wanted a law firm to do it. I, I needed that credibility so that people would feel more confident in giving. And so we sat there at dinner and, and uh, he talked about his law and I said, well, what's your specialty? And I had been quoted 25 to $50,000 to set up a 501c3. And these were quotes by Christians too. And uh, he said, well, I specialize in setting up nonprofits and I'm kicking David under the table. I looked at Kevin. I said, you don't know this, but you just volunteered for something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're yeah. a dead man. And <laughs> so he said, well, tell me what you're doing. So I told him about sacred selections and he said, oh, that's great. And I, I said, but we need help with a 501c3. And he said, oh yeah, my firm will do that. And I gulped and I said, how much? And he said, Oh, Dana, for you, it's free. We'll do it pro bono. And they've continued to do work for us pro bono now these 15 years. So we had the board in place. We had the 501c3, but we didn't have the money. Yeah, there was no <laughs> money. And, you know, nothing succeeds like success. And people aren't going to give to an unknown entity, especially in the thousands of dollars that we needed. So then one day, uh, a white horse came into town. Uh, with the name of LabCorp. And they said, we want to buy you out in all your labs. And we said, here are the keys. <laughs> and uh, we got, uh, you know, a nice chunk of change. And we went away uh, for a weekend after all the documents were signed. And I told David, now that we have the money, let's go, let's go. And it was um, so real to me at that point. And it was so you know, tangible, you know, the money's in the bank, we can do this now, come on, that uh, we cut our trip short, because I said, I know there's a child out there that needs us right now, we've got to get the word out. So we came back, and we got the word out, and there was a child, and there were several child, and there was another child. And so what we were able to get from God's blessings us and saving us because quite frankly, that was during the time of Obamacare just starting, uh, we would have gone bankrupt. You know, we couldn't have right. survived. Sure. So God saved us and we felt like we would take all that God had taught us in our business and pour it in his business. 
and help others and help these babies. So we funded personally quite a few of the first ones just so people could see how it worked. And then people started telling other people. So the first year we did one, the second year two, the third year, and in uh, uh, 1919, I mean, in 2019, we did 57 in one year. Yeah, that was a killer year. So um, it dropped off last year because of COVID. I don't know if you know, but the birth rates are down. Uh, California alone (laughs) is down 23% year over year. But we continue to grow and we continue with God's blessings, see how all of this can happen. But the number, you know, we've now helped as of yesterday, um, 376 children um, be adopted and land softly in loving Christian homes. But the number we're most proud of is David, tell them that number. 35. 35 children have been baptized. Now, I will tell you that every time we hit a hundred decade, we have a special postcard made. So we're we're edging to that 400 and we put the pictures of all the children that we've helped because I think that that's the most powerful. And uh, one time I was showing the card at that time we were at 200 and I was showing to a bunch of people we were traveling doing fundraiser after church. And I said, oh, have you got the latest card? And people were looking at it. And a very well-known preacher came over and said, what's all this going on? And I said, well, brother, here, here's our new card. 200 of our of the children have been funded through sacred selections. And I said, but what we're most proud of at that time, there were 10 that had been baptized. And he said, huh, only 10 Dane out of 200. I said, oh, well, brother, we do not believe in infant baptism. We got to give these children <laughs> a few years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, me. That is just, uh, wow. Uh, thank you for that. But so many things there. And, and uh, um, so fill in the gaps there. I, I know you're thinking of some things, Dave, that what would you add to that? Some things there that, uh, that she didn't touch on. Well, you know, I think once we sold the lab, you know, you know, I was, we were both in our early fifties and it was kind of like, you know, what do we do now? You know? Um, and I, like, I, you know, I talked before that we realized how much um, we had learned, you know, in the process of, you know, running, starting and running a couple of different businesses. And the idea, you know, popped into our head that, you know, we, we, we had to do something to, to give back. I mean, I, I yeah. just, it, it actually really bothered me thinking that, you know, the second half of my life, I, I would just spend it on, you know, cruises and buying stuff. And I, I, I couldn't imagine standing before the throne of God. And, and, you know, all I had to say was, you know, thank you for the great second half of my life. Um, so we, we realized that really what we were, what we had the opportunity to do was to start a business for kingdom work. And Dana already had this vision of, you know, how to bring um, couples together with people who had money that could take the the financial barrier off the table. And so we just started using what the lessons that we learned. And we we set up a little card table at the front of the Florida College bookstore during lectures week in 2007. 
And we started handing out brochures that kind of, you know, introduced the idea of, of sacred selections. The really cool thing about it, Dan, is, you know, this, this is not our idea. I mean, God has always commanded and expected his people to care for the fatherless. I mean, that that's, you know, James 127 is not a new command. Um, it, it's a, it's a restatement of what he taught his, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel to take care of the fatherless, the widow and the stranger. And so what's, what was really neat to see is once people started to get this idea and to understand how individuals out of their own means can participate in helping a child find a home, they just jumped on board. Yeah. And, you know, year after year, every year it's grown. And, um, and they so, stretch us in really interesting ways. Yeah. So we, we just commend, you know, brothers and sisters all over the country because they're the ones that have made this successful. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a shared, it's a shared um, obligation and it's, it's a shared uh, activity that we all have now. Um, we tell people all the time that, that adoption isn't charity work, it's spiritual work. Right. Right. So, so it's, it's, that's been the most wonderful thing to see is, is how responsive everyone has been to, to help these kids find homes. Oh, uh, you know, it's, uh, we had, uh, uh, you just triggered a thought there. We had a couple that was, uh, uh, that we've been studying with, uh, here in Franklin, uh, they were baptized uh, Wednesday night and, uh, yeah. And just, uh, so exciting to see that process and think about the, the spiritual adoption that scriptures teach when we obey the gospel, we're adopted into God's family. And that's why we're brothers and sisters. And uh, uh, some of the things that you said the other day, Dave, uh, and I jotted them down, and you just, you just used one of them a second ago of kingdom work, uh, put young people to work. Uh, God expects a return, uh, taking risk. You know, I know, I know each one of those triggers a thought for you. Uh, but what I want to do right now, if I could, and this is going to be maybe kind of hard unless you look at each other and think of the same person, but tell, tell us, I, I call them conversion stories. Think about one of the ones, or maybe one of the kids that was adopted that ended up obeying the gospel, uh, or it doesn't have to be just a conversion story. Uh, Dana, have you got one that comes to mind? Of, oh, of, yeah. I mean, there's so many. And I think that um, the children, the older children, now we've helped children from birth to age 17 be adopted. And that's what people don't understand. It's, it's all ages from nine countries around the world. So some of the older children that we've helped uh, once they get into a Christian home and see Christ, you know, truly see Christ. And then when they learn uh, the scheme of a redemption, they just resoundingly go, that's my story. You redeemed me. I was lost. I now have a family. I want to be a part of God's family. And when these children have that moment, that epiphany, oftentimes it's late at night, not on Sunday or Wednesday, and they actually ask their parents, please, can I be baptized now? You know, it's very much like the Ethiopian eunuch. Well, there's water. Come on, let's go. Right. And one of the sweetest ones uh, was uh, a, a little girl who was adopted from Ukraine. 
and she was in the home for several months. And, you know, you've got language issues, you've got lots of things going on. But when it really got to her heart, what it was, she was quick to say, then I want to be baptized right now. So they called all the family and she went, wait, wait, just a minute. And this just always makes me cry. She went into her closet and got out her sacred selections t-shirt. She said, I want to be baptized in this. So they went down to the building. They baptized her. They took a click, you know, took pictures and sent to us. And there's a great picture of her daddy who baptized her where they're hugging and daddy's looking at the camera and he's holding her like that. And Dan, if he doesn't have his arms on either side of the sacred selection symbol, it's just unbelievable. It's, it's perfect product placement. Yeah, my kids, you know, <laughs> coming from the marketing background, my kids are going best product placement ever. Best product, yeah, and I go, good. that's right. And I have that framed in my home because oh, wow. that to me is a constant reminder of why we're doing this, why we're doing this. So a child can say, I want to be adopted by God. You adopted me. You know, they're going to understand salvation and redemption more than we ever will. You know, it's and real to them. I think that's that's so powerful. And I well, there's no there's no question. You're right. I can't relate to that because I wasn't adopted. But, yeah, I can just imagine a child going through that and then being exposed to the truth and, and connecting the dots, if you yeah. will, and go, oh, my. Uh, oh, my. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, but I want to tell you, I want to tell you a little story, quick story. I know we're running out of time, but I think I want to show you how it starts. We had a situation where a little four-year-old, um, the parents had adopted, not a sacred selections family, and then they didn't want her anymore. It's called rehoming and it's very sad, but it happens out there. And we've helped now 19, 20 children be rehomed into Christian homes. But this little girl is four years old. She had never heard God's name except in vain. Okay. And she gets into this Christian home. And the first night she's with them, they sit down at the dinner table and daddy bows his head and prays to God. And when they lift up, little miss has her hand on her hip and says, who were you talking to? That's funny. That's Isn't so that good. great? So yeah. that's where it starts. And they took her to church then the first time. She was up on the bench, standing up, belting out the songs. She'd never heard these songs before. I say she's going to be our next Whitney Houston. She's just got a beautiful voice. And she came away from the first service just telling all the kids in the van, because they have like eight kids. Uh, you know, all that she'd learned in Bible class. And they were like, we know, we know, we know. (laughs) But that's how powerful it was to this child. And that brings me back every time when I go to church, I want to feel that power that Megan felt. I want to feel that joy. I want to feel that purity. And that's where it starts. And she's going to be a great soldier for Christ. You know, uh, just triggered another thought there of the, uh, you know, you think about, in Acts, uh, there in the day of Pentecost, when the church started, and you read uh, how everything was developing. And then when Stephen is killed and the church is scattered, but it said that they went everywhere preaching the gospel. And, and, and it talks about those people being on fire. You guys are on yeah. fire. You, you, yeah. you guys are on fire yeah. with what you do. Well, God keeps it going. I mean, I know. you know, 
anytime we get down, because we've got a big old target on our back for, for the devil. And uh, he's after us big time because he's got the world. And he does not want these children to be raised in Christian homes because he knows they'll be raised to be warriors against him. So we feel like that's where the battle is going right now. And we need as Christians to be either adopting or help funding adopting, getting as many kids into Christian homes. Cause you know, there's a huge battle ahead of us. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But when we hit 300, I said to David and remind me how big was Gideon's army <laughs> and what great things God did with 300. Oh, I know. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, it, the other thing, too, that, I, that I'm hearing with both of you is as you continue to tell your story and, and you have your fundraisers and you have the ones, uh, your audience that are listening, they get it. The ones that have been, they understand. And it's just like us that are Christians. We, how many times have we heard the gospel story? How many times have we seen the excitement of, uh, you mentioned the eunuch when he came up out of the water, how he went on his way rejoicing. We have to keep reminding ourselves of just how powerful this gospel is and and what it means. I mean, it, we're right. you know, transform, right. transforming people's lives, saving them from hell. And just but yeah. we have to keep telling the story, whether it's the physical adoption or the spiritual adoption, to keep that energy going. Yes. Uh, yes. Dave, should I give I, I know what I, I almost forgot. I, we're going to go over a little bit over Uh Dave shared this with me the other day, uh, Dana, on the, the book that y'all are writing. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's the, writing. I'm encouraging to write more. Isn't the, it good? The, the good one? Yeah. Oh, oh. Did oh, you cry, I, Dan? Did you cry? Oh, I showed it to Gay, and she was crying. It was like, oh, my. Yeah. Oh, Gay, Gay said to tell you hi to both of these. Oh, hi, Gay. <laughs> um, but uh, one thing that I noticed, that, and I, I did, I said this to Dave earlier, I said, Obviously, Dana wrote this. You, you didn't write. <laughs> no, this. no. David is a great writer. Well, and yeah. he needs to. Uh, he needs to keep, keep encouraging Dave. Thank keep you. Writing. See, yeah, keep, mm -hmm. keep writing. But I love the way he did this, talking about you, telling your story of uh, of having people, uh, the names that you got in your in your phone, your contact information, and uh, when you see a uh, when your phone rings or dings or whatever without without a name. I get ready for a new adventure, another opportunity to help a family start or grow. Yeah. And that's just such a day. That's just such a simple statement, but that is just, that just struck me for some reason of, of, because uh, most of us, if we see, Hey, in our day and time, uh, if my phone rings and I don't know the, I don't know who it is, I don't answer. You know, it's going to be yeah. a scam or something, but, uh, but just that is so exciting guys of uh, just uh, when the phone rings, uh, a new adventure. Talk about that, Dave, just real quick. Yeah, th that that's that's really true. I, I mean, I, I think one of the one of the biggest challenges that we have in in our very fast paced world is we are so busy that we 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 don't we literally won't won't take the time to see opportunities, and we. You know, sometimes I, I, I kind of kiddingly say this, but there's a part of it that's true. We need to be aware of that our our form of persecution is inconvenience. <laughs> it, it's something we, we just we're, 
it, it's just not convenient for us. We don't have the time. You know, we haven't we haven't set aside any do something good money. Um, so we we really never even take the time to consider the possibility that we could help. And I I can't tell you how many times that we've seen, we, we are aware there's an opportunity to do something and we have to stop and say, we really should do this. I'll give you one quick example of how powerful one little opportunity, what that can turn into. There, there's a congregation about 30 minutes from where we live called Kingston Springs in Tennessee. And we were traveling out in, in the Nashville area for a fundraiser. This was about five, six years ago now. And somebody called us and said, would, would you come and worship with us on a Wednesday night? Um, because we'd like for you to, you know, worship with us and tell, tell some, you know, tell our, our church here a little bit about what you're doing about adoption. And it was out of our way. And, you know, it wasn't the most convenient thing to do. Uh, but we just had this sense, if somebody's calling, we, we, there, there's a plan here. So we went and we worshiped with them. And then after church, we went to another building and, and we, we talked to the, about 30 people from the group there about adoption. And one of the families that within six months, they had adopted a child, they adopted a child. We helped them with that. And, and they had a rough journey. It was a, it was a real challenge for them. But unbeknownst to them, there were two other families that were watching their journey. And as a result of that, within 18 months, three children found homes. Wow. Because one family asked us to, to, to come and, and tell the adoption story and encourage people. And because of their journey, two other families stepped up and adopted. So sometimes you feel overwhelmed that I, I can't adopt them all. Well, nobody's asking you to, but you can be an influence on someone else to encourage them to adopt. But here's where the story gets even it more. It gets better. <laughs> so about two years after that first visit, we were, we were back in Nashville and the same family that had asked us to, to come by the first time asked us if we would worship with them on a Sunday morning. And she said, we have, we have a surprise for you. And so, you know, we went down and we worshiped them. Well, the surprise was that the three men who had adopted those three children were now qualified to be deacons. Wow. And they were being appointed as deacons in that congregation that Sunday morning. Wow. Wow. So we we were we were just kind of overwhelmed yeah. with emotion on what the significance was of that first phone call that three children found homes and that congregation had three deacons to serve from one visit. I mean, I sat there, Dan, and just teared. I still cry when I think about it because I was like, God, I didn't get it. I didn't get it that through adoption, there would be leadership in your churches. And God said, yeah, Dana, and smacked me around a little bit and said, just, you know, just shut up and keep doing what you're doing. And he puts it all together. But isn't that beautiful? Oh, it is beautiful. And, and again, it's back to that. What if, what if you, when you got that phone call, if you said, 
well, thanks for calling. We really don't have time to come over there. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it, and, uh, uh, and then another thing you said there, people that were watching the, the and, and we know the scriptures teach that people, uh, and like you said, Dana, the devil's after us all the time. Oh yeah. But people are watching us. They wa watch the way we talk, the way we act, and uh, the influence that we can have in a positive way is just is really off the charts. And we forget about, it. even though we hear sermons about all, we forget about right. it right. and don't realize how God can work through us and how God's working through you guys. And you know, uh, let's end with this. Uh, I call it the one thing. Uh, and see how to fit this in here. Make and we'll, let's make it apply to what you guys are doing with sacred selections. But somebody wants to get involved. Somebody wants to help. What's one thing? I know there's multiple things they can do, but what's one thing that they could do to help uh, in, in the adoption of a child that Lord willing would end up in somebody obeying the gospel? What's one thing? Well, here, here's what I would say. Call us. Okay. Yeah. Everything starts with a conversation. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I, I could we could spend half the day telling you stories that started because somebody worked up the courage to make a phone call. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and so because we're limited on time, if anybody that's listening to this has any inkling to want to help a child, whether it's funding or adopting or whatever it may be, make make a phone call. Yeah. Just pick up the phone and call Dana, and then let's see what happens from there. Or email, you know, and when we get these all the time, I know this sounds like a weird thing, but no, we love weird things, you know, that right. you just you just never know what a little thing can become. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, it's like that mustard seed idea, right? Very <laughs> much yeah. So what's so. the uh, what's the phone number and email if somebody wants to reach out to you? Dana's Dana's number is 916 with me all the time. 770-0336. And my phone number is 916-531-0622. And you can even email us at info at sacred selections dot org and uh, like i said just take that one first step yeah. make a phone call or send an email and that's where the just like you said in that story that's where the adventure begins yeah that you guys so good i wish we had more time uh it is i can't tell you how exciting it is to see you guys after all these years you haven't changed you, need, you haven't changed a bit all right <laughs> you need your new glasses dan <laughs> <laughs> I just got them. I just got them. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much. And, and we love you guys and keep up your good work. And we'll be following up with you. And uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Lord willing, our paths have crossed uh, soon so we can get together in person, have some coffee or something. Yeah, but, uh, that'd be great. That'd be great. All right. Well, thanks again so that. much. All right. Thank keep you. up your God good bless. work. God, God bless you too. Melt my heart and fill my life, give me one soul today.